0: Welcome Peculiars to the Peculiar Movie Club podcast, a bonus podcast or addendum to our main show, the Peculiar Book Club, where we will explore movies that share themes or ideas with the books we read on the main show. I'm Davey Barris. My co-host is Darren Cross. and the movie we are doing this month in honor of the book Ordinary Equality by Kate Kelly, The fearless women and queer people who shaped the U.S. Constitution and the Equal Rights Amendment. We had to find a movie with a protagonist that was fighting the good fight. That was fighting for equality for women. And luckily, a movie was made recently about a legendary figure. So this month, we watched the movie On the Basis of Sex from 2018, the story of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her her early fights in her career. So Darren, in case it's been a while since they've seen it and spoiler warning, of course, for the movie, spoiler warning for the movie and I guess Ruth Bader Ginsburg's life if you want to be spoiled on the details of her life. (laughs) uh, Darren, in case it's been a while since they've seen it or they've never seen it before, what is On the Basis of Sex all about?
1: Yeah, so it is about... um... It's about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, her kind of, I guess you could say, early-ish life. Um, it's life. Uh, she's played by Felicity Jones, and it takes place, starts off when she's first going to law school, which Har- starts out at Harvard, ends up at Columbia. But um, And I guess it spans over about 15 years, because early in the movie, her daughter is like a newborn ish or like a, maybe, maybe a year old ish yeah. somewhere in there. And then she, by the end of the movie, her daughter's like 15 or 16. I want to say something like that. And so, um, yeah, so it's, it's about her life, um, early on. And when she started getting involved in law, um, and it, you know, it, and I didn't know this myself is that like sh- in the beginning, she, she didn't practice, she graduated and she did like really, really good. Um, but she didn't practice because um, she couldn't find a job, mostly based on the fact that she was a woman. Um, it also didn't help that she was Jewish. That was like <laughs> double negative. <laughs> just slide some anti-Semitism in there. Just, just a tiny yeah, a sprinkle right. of it. Right, right, right. Um, so she had a really hard time finding a job, a firm that would hire her. So she ended up teaching um, at Rhodes, right? Rhodes. Yeah. Um, uh, or no she, Rutgers she Rutgers. At Rutgers yeah yeah has, yeah sorry I
0: think she teaches in a few places if you yeah. I, in the movie yes in, in her yeah. real life there were a few places yeah yeah in that. the
1: movie so she, she's teaching at Rutgers and then what what really kind of sets the the movie more in motion is that her husband comes across a case where a man was denied money. It was basically a tax case and a man was denied money. Um, He's caring for his elderly mother who's needs a lot of care. And the way the constitution was written at the time it assumed that any, any caregiver would be a woman. And so because he was a man, he was being denied a certain amount of tax exemption on his taxes saying that, so essentially he was kind of being convicted of like being fraudulent on his taxes um and the movie's kind of about how her and her husband take this case and try to apply it that you can't discriminate based on someone's sex obviously with the intention of really more so impacting women but they're taking this case that's being discriminatory against a man as an example and they end up arguing it um and so the the movie's about kind of her up and comingness around law and how she really gets into focusing around law based on discrimination around sex
0: how dumb are men that you have to like present them with a man who's being discriminated against for them to understand
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh my god this could happen to me (laughs) yeah no, when you put it like that, <laughs> we should maybe think about this. <laughs> uh, if that colors
0: uh, what you what me and Darren think about equal rights and, and this movement and the things in this in this book. I, I guess we'll we'll say up front that uh, yes, we are two male podcasters. so uh, we might not have the most well-rounded view uh, on this no. subject matter, but we'll do our best. We love yeah. talking movies. Uh, and we love themes. So we'll do our best here for you. All right. Let's get into it, Darren. Let's talk this movie. Let's start with overall impressions. Just, you know, before we get into themes, what did you think about the movie itself? And you know, biographies are a little bit interesting. In our old podcast, the Noma Movies podcast, we I don't think we did a biography, did
2: we? I can't nothing jumps to mind. I don't in think so. No.
0: So this is, this is gonna be a little bit of an interesting challenge for us because it does kind of change the structure a little bit.
1: Yeah, um, I enjoyed the movie. I mean, I, obviously I was going in and I think most people went into this movie with having some idea about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, at least um, more contemporary. Um, but yeah, but I, I thought it was, it was good. I thought it was, um, you know, it showed a part of her life that I think probably most people we're not familiar with um and it was it was helpful because like you do hear about her being such sort of like a trailblazer um but i had never like done personally done much research but i was only more familiar with stuff that she had done like later in life um so so yeah so i thought i thought the movie was well done i liked that it it kind of i, I thought the pace of it was good that it covered about, about 15 years, but I feel like it, it, that kind of helped illustrate that, like, you know, this didn't just like happen overnight. Like this is something that she was concentrating on for a while, even if she wasn't like actively doing something. Um, But she was, it was a focus even when she was, was teaching. Um, Yeah. So I thought it was really interesting for me to like, just see the, the backstory, you know, I don't, I don't know enough about her to know how accurate it was compared to her real life, but um, accurate enough that she she appears in it at the end of the movie. Yeah. So I thought that was yeah, cool. So she signed <laughs> off on it.
0: Yeah, uh, it was. Yeah. It was actually I'll spoil a little early trivia. I believe it was written by her nephew.
2: Ah, OK,
1: cool.
0: Uh, Daniel Steepleman Ginsburg's real life nephew. So it does have a little bit of air of
1: authenticity, you know, having a family member write it. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, yeah yeah so I thought it was I would like you know on our old podcast I would place this in a in the good movie section <laughs> absolutely I the
0: you know the peculiars know uh, I have the Davy baby at home and uh, I think you could appreciate how exhausting life with a one-year-old is and to be honest me and my wife were trying to find time to watch this and it was like one of those things where it's like I uh, do we want to start a movie? Like, are we even going to be able to stay awake for a movie? And we got about five minutes in and I was hooked. Like I, I wasn't tired. I was, I, it totally drew me in, uh, really engaging lead characters. Uh, you know, uh, we'll talk about actors in a little bit, but you know, Felicity Jones, army hammer. Yes, I know. I know army hammer. Some weird things have gone on lately. I, 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 Oh yeah,
1: you, you know so much more about gossip in this world than I do.
0: No, it's it's <laughs> it's weird, strange things with. Yeah, it's like he. Oh boy, I, I don't even want to get into it. It's it's <laughs> just it's just weird, strange things. He was like run out of Hollywood, and like someone caught him like working at a resort as like a sales. I, I don't know. It's just a, it's it's a weird thing. He was like down okay. in the Caribbean, like hiding. Oh, and, and mm. yeah. Anyways, uh, not a good guy. Let's just say that. From, from all reports, not a good guy. But he's a good actor in this. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, so the cast is really engaging all the way around. And, man, I, I, love, I love someone fighting for equal rights. I love a good legal drama. It kind of really pulled me in. So, yeah, definitely a good movie.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was like um and I, I think that for for the the kind of person that currently, you know, like in this this day and age, if you're if you're pro you know, equal rights and that sort of stuff, just like seeing all the discrimination is enough to like sort of you're like god Damn it! What the hell? I know. (laughs) That's like that's like kind of enough to keep you interested because you're like, all right, how is she going to get back at these guys? (laughs) (laughs) Oh
0: yeah, literally like rooting for her to topple the patriarchy. That's definitely something that is going to keep me engaged in a movie. Yeah. All right, all right. So let's speaking of toppling the patriarchy, let's get into the big themes of this movie. And we were we were kind of joking beforehand that this might be a shorter episode because. Kind of one big giant damn theme in this thing, isn't there? (laughs) Yeah, And uh, it fits pretty well with our book uh, this month. So uh, what did you have for your top theme?
1: Yeah, so I mean, if you, I guess if you, if you, if we're thinking about the book too, it would be like sexism slash prejudiced, Um, right? Because the book, the book is not, I mean, it not only talks about women, but, but a lot of it's about women. Um, but yeah, so, so mostly like sex discrimination and then, which is obviously the big theme is just, you know, the, the fact that when the constitution was written, you know, it, for, for whatever reason, and I don't, I don't know enough about the history of it for whatever reason, you know, I guess it's, it's probably just because the woman was the, has, is the one that has the baby that they forever or for a very long time were like, all right, well, I mean, You had the baby. You probably should be the one to stay home and take care of it. And then, oh, by the way, while you're at the house, you know, can you do all the all the other stuff? (laughs) Um, And so so, yeah, so I mean, it, it it. It's not surprising, I guess, that because the people that were out working weren't the women, then the people that wrote the Constitution who weren't the women wrote the Constitution without the framework of being a woman and so it didn't didn't end up in their favor which is which is not surprising and so um
0: despite despite all you know all the peculiars that have read the book ordinary equality know that abigail adams john adams wife she tried she she (laughs) really really wrote some strong worded letters to her husband telling him to do
1: it don't forget the women and yeah they did yeah 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 i forgot that um Uh, Kathy Bates character Dorothy specifically mentions that in the movie yeah Um, so yeah so certainly like sexism uh, slash prejudice slash discrimination um, was was obviously the the big theme and then I'll just say the other the other one I put down now because um, we can we can discuss but um, I also thought it was the more interesting not to say the other one wasn't interesting, but the more like subtle and inter- interesting theme is like um where the line is drawn between culture changing and law changing. And like what that looks like in the real world. And it really made me think about for like being something more topical, was it really made me think about um the whole like trans thing that's happening right now in in our world in the present day, where I you know you get this sense and like I you know from having um, nieces and nephews that are 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 old enough now to like you know speak their mind and like have opinions and have experience and that sort of stuff like for the most part they're like the the whole like any sort of like trans or like gender identity thing is not a problem for them they're just like oh yeah whatever it's like you know it's whatever whatever and so it's like the law is so far behind and I think it's an interesting analogy you could make for what Ruth Bader Ginsburg was dealing with then is like, she talks about how like, oh, like her daughter, like her generation didn't care. I mean, that sexism is, is a non-issue for them, but the law at that time was still so far behind. It was behind the culture. Um, so yeah, so sexism being the big one, but also this like sort of culture change versus the this, this speed of culture change versus the speed of actual law change.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, so they definitely the line that kind of drives that home, uh, you know, don't focus on the weather of the day, but the climate of the era. Yeah. And and you're right. Yeah. You know, it's interesting without because you go through the civil rights battles in the 60s. You go through the Vietnam protests in the 70s. uh, You know, does the women's movement kind of get pushed aside by those two things over those two decades? And you're you're right. By by the time of the '70s, her daughter is so focused on uh, going to anti-war rallies that you're right. The the idea of women's rights isn't even an issue for her at that time. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So definitely the the climate of the era, and that's that's why Ruth Bader Ginsburg sinks her teeth in at this time because the the climate of the era was like we're so yeah we're so far beyond. Whether or not men or women are equal. We're we're out there living it, proving that yeah. they're equal. So uh yeah, you're right. Someone had to step up to make the law catch up. Mm. The other side of this, right? The 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 women's fight, but then the other side of this theme, I guess you could say, is the men and the men that refuse to change. The bad guys in the movie. Let me, let me yeah. make it perfectly clear. The <laughs> villains, the bad guys in the movie. Uh, and it, Sam Watterson, as the dean of uh, dean of Harvard, uh, what was his name in the movie? Erwin um, Griswold uh, has a line in that very beginning, that opening speech about what did you know what a lawyer is supposed to do? Yeah. And at the very end, he slides in loyal to tradition, respectful and protective of our institutions. And right there, I was like, oh, no, (laughs) no, I mean, there's a time and a place for being loyal to tradition and respectful and protective of our institutions. But when those institutions and those traditions literally oppress people, that's not the ones to be respectful of. (laughs) Like, yeah. I'm sorry. That's that's uh, the wrong way of looking at it. Uh, those are the ones that need to be broken down and changed and fixed. Yeah. And constantly work to improve. Like, I mean, yeah, some traditions are are great. Uh, we both went to the Ohio State University. Had a ton of traditions, right? Like, yeah. I was in the band there. Traditions were fun, but these aren't the good traditions (laughs) these aren't the good institutions that should be protected so i i I definitely saw a theme there of like just how stubborn and how stuck in their ways uh, the patriarchy can be especially in law in the law
1: yeah yeah like especially like an old profession that it's been around for a long time and like only men have been doing it and so it's just yeah and then and then they took i assume this this had because they took it a step further i assume this is probably what actually happened but so he says that but then like they have the special dinner that's like just for the women that were enrolled in the program yes um which at first you're like oh that's kind of nice you know and like you know like obviously they know that they're the minority and that and so Maybe they if they can kind of have a camaraderie amongst themselves, that'd be cool or whatever. <laughs> but then he asks them, he asks them to explain, amongst other things, what, he wants them to go around and ask them why they deserved to take the spot that a man could have taken <laughs> instead. And I was like, holy Jesus. <laughs> and
0: he the look on his face was like he was doing them a favor. Yeah. Like he has this look on his face like I think that was a perfectly acceptable question. Let's begin yeah. let's begin discussing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they just don't see it. That's the problem. They just if you ever catch yourself saying the phrase, well that's the way it's always been done, then you're, <laughs> you're probably in the wrong. Yeah. All right, so this is again, we've never done a biopic before and this is a this is strange a little bit because the theme is really a person's life. Yeah, it's so, yeah. So it's hard to say that Ruth Bader Ginsburg's entire life has been a theme, but it kind of has. I mean, she goes on to we don't see it in the movie, but she does go on to like win five out of six cases in front of the Supreme Court before even going, you know, becoming a judge and being a, appointed to the Supreme Court. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I guess should we just talk about Ruth Bader Ginsburg herself, the character of Ruth Bader? Bader Ginsburg, like we would discuss a theme, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, Wait, we'll say it again. <laughs> like, like, if the if the actual person of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, yeah, is, is kind of the theme of the movie, right? It's it's yeah. the subject matter of the movie. So let's yeah. let's just talk about her, like we talk about a theme. Yeah. Uh I. Okay. How, okay. how impressed were you, even if it's. A dramatic version. How impressed were you with young Ruth Bader Ginsburg?
1: She was obviously some sort of exceptional person from the beginning because she um, went to Harvard Law School essentially for two people at the same time while having a baby because she was doing the work for her husband who couldn't because he could only partially do it because he got testicular cancer and he was kind of out of it. So she was going to classes for both of them um, and still finished top of her class. So she's clearly like an exceptional person. And um, it seemed, you know, she recognized from the, from early on, it seemed like that there was this, this double standard around like what women could and couldn't do simply based around the fact that they were women and men were men. And so, which turned, as you said, turned into like her life's work,
0: yeah. And it was interesting to see it was interesting to also see her early struggles, you know, um not the not the career stuff, even, just kind of on the on the personal side of things, right? Like, yeah, uh, she still had a family life just like the rest of us. And uh, you know, working through the issues with her daughter. Which, in a way, was working through the issues with her mother, uh, yeah. as as Army Hammer explains in, in that speech with his daughter. Um, yeah, just uh, you know, fighting with the people at the uh, uh, ACLU and you know trying to. It, it wasn't just a smooth. It wasn't just smooth sailing for her. Like we saw her tenacity. We saw how she was able to get people to buy in to what she was working towards. Um, she, it, It's just, a, it's an interesting path she paved because she didn't have to fight everybody along the way, but she, you know, people weren't just signing up to help her because she's Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Like she had to be strategic and smart and really pull people into her side and into this fight in the right way. And she had to like, like she had to, make compromises too so to see kind of how she navigated all of that uh fascinating and impressive
1: yeah yeah i mean she knew what was right for a long time but i think she had a hard time um sort of um what's the word for it sort of uh she had a hard time like communicating it especially communicating it in a facility that or in a capacity that was like legally judged right or or even even having the opportunity to be in a platform that could have any impact on legality
0: yes so very impressed uh with we'll say the portrayal of ruth bader ginsburg because obviously the person ruth bader ginsburg uh, you know we we'll never know we weren't there we'll never know how dramatized some of these things are uh, you know I was thinking about her kind of her struggles with actually presenting standing up in the courtroom and, and whether it was the moot court that they set up or in front of the actual judges in the final scene. We'll never know kind of how much of that was dramatized mm-hmm. uh, for mm-hmm. the movie. Um, but it definitely was uh, an important aspect in what I'm going to call the anatomy of a legal movie. So I just want to double check with you did on the basis of sex, did did it check all the boxes for the anatomy of a legal movie? Did it, did it have all the pieces and parts that you need to see in a good legal drama? (laughs) I think
1: so. I think so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to like count them off in my head. Like um, we had the the case that nobody wanted.
2: Yeah.
1: Right.
0: And then she discovered it. and we had everybody telling her that she shouldn't take the case. <laughs> we had the moment where uh, we had the moment where there was a settlement on the table, and she could have walked away from it. Yeah, uh, with with a with a lesser victory. Yeah. Um, we and then we had we had the struggles like, are you the right lawyer for this case? Like, that's a big, that's a big one because you. Half the time in legal dramas, it's the the lawyer's own self-doubt that is like one of those like destructive factors. Yeah. So I, I keep thinking of a few good uh is it a few good men, right? Tom Cruise and and is that the classic Jack Nich- one, Jack Nicholson? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Um like right is he the right lawyer to try that case? Like that's yeah, throughout the whole yeah. movie.
1: Um and they then- uh they they did the the um gave us a reason to not like the def- the the uh Defense or yeah. defense. Yeah. Defense. Right. No.
0: no, Yeah. Prosecution, defense, <laughs> the government. We'll just say the government. The government. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then most importantly, the line. Was there the courtroom exchange <laughs> and courtroom line? Right. In A Few Good Men, it's uh, I you want the ha- truth. You can't yeah. handle the truth. It, <laughs> <laughs> in my cousin vinny it's 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 the whole marissa Tomei has attraction speech
1: has <laughs> attraction that's the <laughs> word
0: <laughs> and i i think it's not as good of a line as i want the truth you can't handle the truth but the the whole freedom line you know yeah. the word freedom also doesn't exist it's a pretty good line yeah there's been some pushback because people were like the word freedom does exist in the bill of rights. And the guy who wrote the movie is like, yeah, they had to write the bill of rights to correct the constitution. Like the bill of rights is a correction. <laughs> so it doesn't appear in the constitution. Um, so I don't know. What did you think? Was it, was it a good line?
1: Yeah, but I'm trying to, what, what was the whole line? The, Cause the thing that, she, the thing that the defense, the government said that she then, took and, like, kept saying.
0: So so they said to her that, you know, the word woman doesn't appear anywhere in the Constitution, and she looks him dead in the eyes and says, neither, neither does the word freedom. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: And they were like, ooh,
0: damn, she's right. But we love freedom. <laughs> Built
1: our whole identity around freedom. Uh, I don't know. And, yeah. then what, and then what was it? There was there was one other though that I'm trying to think of that sh- that it kind of like sparked her. Remember, oh, like she's
0: so- something something the other dude says. Bozarth, by the way, what a name, Bozarth. <laughs> James Bozarth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It doesn't I, matter. I, I don't have the dialogue in front <laughs> yeah, of me, yeah, but you're yeah, right. Yeah. There there is something because there there's the moment something clicks in her.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah, And
0: she's like, oh, yeah, I got him. It's like Rocky coming out of the corner for the final round of the fight. And there's something different in his eyes.
2: Yeah.
1: All right. He keeps getting punched. He keeps getting punched by Drago. But he's just like, you're not even that strong. Doesn't even hurt. Doesn't hurt. <laughs> That's how tough Ruth Bader Ginsburg is.
0: Doesn't even hurt. Um, All right, let's move in. Speaking of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and speaking of James Bozarth, let's move into top performers uh, because we have quite the interesting cast here. Um, A ton of big hitters, a ton of big hitters in this one, uh, including some legendary character actors. Darren, who did you have for your top performer?
1: I I was kind of debating between Two. So I was considering. Well, I'm, I have a few things to say. I was considering Felicity Jones as Ruth Bader Ginsburg because she did a really good job. Um, and then like the five seconds that Kathy Bates is in the movie, you're just like, damn, she's a good actress. Yeah, she is. <laughs> um, but I decided to to actually land on Justin Theroux. Ooh as as mel wolf and the reason is is that i of of like all the so he he's you know he sort of becomes like a quasi antagonist or like you know he, he's he's kind of walking the line between like is he a friend or he's kind of not a friend does does he want this to happen does he not want it to happen you know um but because of that you know i it made me really dislike him. Like I, th- he did a really good job of making me not like him at all. I wasn't, I, you know, cause he was like, it seemed like he was on his, on her side. And then like, he didn't like have the guts to like go through with it or like, and so it, it almost was like worse than just like, you know, if someone's like against her, if they're like, like the, you know, like the, the Dean or the former Dean from Harvard, um, Yeah, from like Sam Watterson's character, Irwin Griswold. You mean, you knew, you knew like from the beginning, you're like, all right, well, this, he's not going to be on board with this idea, obviously. But Mel was sort of like, yeah, you know, I work for the ACLU. I'm all about like civil rights and all, you know, and then, but then like he kind of backtracked. And so I I thought he did a good job of like playing this sort of quasi heel or like, it was, it was a weird sort of thing. And so, but, but I found myself like, of all the like, antagonists. I actually like disliked him the most just because he was a little wishy-washy. He was back and forth about like his support of the whole concept. But what a mustache, right? Hell of a mustache. Just rocking that mustache. mustache.
0: Yes, he's in an interesting situation because uh there's career consequences to like his actions like he he's he screwed up once already they they kind of allude yeah yeah and so if he screws up again he he could be out of a job or it, right. you know, could tank his career um so you kind of feel for a person in that situation but those those are the moments that define your character like those yeah y- y- being able to step up in those moments when you have everything to lose is kind of what proves your character. So
1: he gets there eventually. He does. And to yeah, to make a terrible terrible analogy for the for this film, he didn't have the balls to do it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> um
0: good great performance though, you're right. He he really challenges her. Uh and not yeah. just like in the moot court scene, like he throughout the movie yeah as friend and foe, kind of. Uh,
1: yeah, because the the whole um, settlement comes up, and he's like, "Oh, you you got to do it. You got to do this, this, this. Do the settlement. Do the settlement." And you're like, "You're like, come on, dude. It's gonna. That's gonna. That's. You're missing the whole point. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Interesting what about you? Who'd, who'd you pick?
0: Well, again, a lot of great choices here. Uh, Felicity Jones is fantastic. Um, Army Hammer was impressive, but honestly, I'm I'm going with young actress. Kaylee Spaney, who played Jane Ginsburg, her daughter,
2: Mm.
0: I honestly thought I, I I was blown away by how, how much that character became an important part of the movie and how good she did, because it wasn't just a bratty teenager, Like it could have just been the bratty teenager that makes home life even that much more hectic. Yeah. But it wasn't that she was inspiring. She was in, to her mother. She was, you know, impactful. Uh, her emotional scenes were like well managed. Like, the, the, as an actress, she didn't go, you know, completely over the top. She kind of, um, that scene where she's kind of sobbing in her room and her dad comes in to talk to her, um, I, they were just handled so well. She She did a really. Really fantastic job of showing what the what the daughter of a woman this focused on her career and uh, maybe that hard to connect with on an emotional level as Ruth Bader Ginsburg seemed to be as a mother. Mm-hmm. Um, again, stemming from what she went through with her own mother. Uh, yeah, I just thought the performance was handled really well.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um. Because you got the sense, and you know, uh, assuming that it was relatively true true in real life, you got the sense that like she, J, or uh, Kaylee Spaney did a good job, like showing like she wasn't just her daughter, but she was sort of like a co conspirator Not conspirator is the wrong word, but a, but like a like a an ally in there like what go. her mom was trying to do, like sort of in her own way. Um, where where like she recognized that like it's like well you know mom is the way she is for X Y and Z but like I recognize that like this is really important what she's what she's doing and 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 yeah her her performance sort of showed that that like you know you you could tell that she she was frustrated with her but also had empathy for what she was doing and like the way she performed you you could feel feel her being torn both directions
0: yeah absolutely and in a cast of i mean it's a cast of heavy hitters right here you got sam watterson as Irwin griswold that the dean of harvard who eventually goes on to work at the justice department i think i'm not exactly yeah. sure what his role was later in the movie same with Stephen root uh who starts as a professor and then becomes the judge either the lawyer going up against her yeah uh, masterminding the case Steven Root cracks me up. I asked my wife. I was like, do you know where you know him from? She's like, Office Space Milton. I was like, yeah. That's, <laughs> I'm sorry. I was like, also HBO's Barry. She's like, oh my God. Yes.
1: Yeah, he he can pull. Dude, he can pull off a really good creepy guy.
0: I'm, he's a chameleon. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Because he,
1: he like it. It's something about his his delivery. Where like you just you look at him when he talks and you're like, is he thinking about killing me? I think he's gonna <laughs> kill me.
0: <laughs>
1: uh,
0: and you're right, Kathy Bates, uh, incredible in her tiny role as Dorothy Kenyon. Um yeah, a lot just a lot of great, great actors in here. The, the guy who uh, it was Charles Moritz. Yeah, Charles Moritz was the guy. Chris Mulkey played him again. Real understated performance like kept his cool the whole movie, like, okay, yeah, s- strong, strong performance there, yeah, as this poor guy that's knows he's being made an example of, but is going along with it because he knows it's the right thing to do,
2: yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, All right, Darren, uh, a hell of a cast in this one. Uh, let's move on to uh, connections to the book, let's dive into the book, Ordinary. Equality and uh, for those peculiars that haven't read the book, it's it's kind of a unique book to the peculiar book club because it um it's kind of written a little bit like a textbook where each chapter is a a different woman throughout history that has fought for equal rights and uh, whether it was the suffrage movement and getting the vote for women. And then moving into the Equal Rights Amendment and the women that continued to fight to get that passed through Congress. And I mean, these women, these women went to war. I mean, they fought battles against just the worst sexism you could possibly imagine. They also, unfortunately, (laughs) there was a little bit of infighting. Uh, There was, they let each other down at times where they, yeah, there was like rival uh, groups trying to both fight for different styles of women's rights throughout throughout uh, the history. So they had different approaches. Some were way more activists and in the street and gr- kind of guerrilla style activism, whereas the others were like, no, 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 we just need to stay back and and you know fight it a different way, uh, a respectful fight. Yeah. So I don't know. How do you think this movie, do you think it hit the mark uh connecting to the book this month when it comes to themes?
1: Well, I think it's um I think the one the one theme we talked about is is c- you can kind of highlight with the book is that like it takes to really like make something happen, it it takes more than one approach. Cause like with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, right? Like her her whole thing the whole time was like, oh, you know, if, if if something's going to change, we have to change the law. The law has to change because people want to follow the law. People are going to, for the most part, are going to follow the law and to make things change, they follow the law. And then, you know, we, she kind of comes to realize and, and, and what motivates really her, her spark of like being able to, to make a good argument when they're in court is that there's the cultural change is, is really pushing the law change, and so I think you know. In the in the book, you have good examples of people doing it on both sides, right? And it, and it requires that. That's really what needs to happen. You know, it, it needs to be people doing it from a side that's like, yes, you know, you can. If there's ever a specific situation, you have the law to fall back on to, to reference. But in day to day life you know the the people the culture of the people have to want it you know they have to that has to be something that they're they want to happen and they have to frankly demonstrate it by just the way they live their lives and so i think that's you know it's the book kind of like emphasizes that you know you need you need both and in for the case of the movie we saw like one person doing it on on extremely hard work on one one side of it
0: yeah and i mean the most obvious connection between the movie and the book is that the book is a collection of profiles on women that have fought for equal rights and this movie is literally a profile on one woman who fought for that so uh, obviously it does fit the themes there but um the things that ruth bader ginsburg experiences um I think those themes definitely have repeated themselves throughout history with the other women. There's not so much infighting in her life, but they're definitely like we said with uh, uh, the ACLU guy um, with Mel. There's people that you feel like are on your side and then suddenly they're not. They have different motivations or different things pushing them in a different direction and Mm. you don't feel the support from them anymore. And that's something that's continued to repeat itself throughout history. A lot of the women in the book experience things just like that, where they they think they're part of a team, they think they're part of a group, and then suddenly the group's going in a different direction uh, than they are. And they have to figure out how to continue to fight. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I just think a lot of the experiences that we see Ruth Bader Ginsburg go through uh, are things that definitely have been throughout history. And unfortunately, uh, are some of our best fighters, uh, keep having to go through these things.
1: So, yeah. 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 And I, and I think, you know, the doing it from the, the, not the not legal side, like the more cultural side is what tends to garner a lot of attention because it's, it's, you know, it's, it's more out there or more like newsworthy. Um, so, you know, it's, it's nice to see the, like. And not to say that Ruth Bader didn't didn't get plenty of of attention, she did, but, like, you could argue that like her approach was the the more boring, un- uneventful way to do it, but like no less impactful.
0: <laughs> I mean, the money is always it's always where they end up getting them, right? It's always it yeah. makes me think of uh, uh, who was the Chicago mobster that they finally took down because of taxes? Oh, what's his name? Oh, um, Al Capone. Al Capone. Yeah, right. They of all the crimes that got committed, they finally get them with the money. And it's the same thing here, like tax law. That's that's how we finally get a, a legal precedent for equal rights, is because of tax law.
1: Right, right. You have to you have to take something that everyone already agrees upon is illegal and just apply it to what to what you're trying to to get done. <laughs>
0: I think the last connection between the book and the movie is they they both demonstrate that the fight's not over. Like, so many of these people fight their entire life and never got to see what they were originally fighting for, right? There were so many people that fought for the women's right to vote that never actually saw it come to fruition, you know, by the time it did. And uh, same thing with the Equal Rights Amendment right now and the things that Ruth Bader Ginsburg was fighting for she didn't get to see them fully come to fruition uh, throughout the course of her lifetime. So I think both the movie and the book uh, definitely highlight that it was, it was a one, it was a, it was a big battle. It was a large battle in the continued ongoing war uh, for equal rights. Yeah. So we got to keep going. We've got to keep going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's take a step back. Uh, let's get a little silly. Got a little heavy there. Let's get a little silly. This is the Peculiar Movie Club, part of the Peculiar Book Club, so it's only fair that we shout out the most peculiar moment in the movie.
1: What did you have this month for your most peculiar moment? I had that. I would love to, like, I should look this up and see if it's, like, tr- truly true. It f- It felt very, like, I don't know, like gang versus gang when it turned out that like all the people that, that she was kind of against in college ended up being the same people she was against <laughs> fighting for this, trying to get this, win this case. It was like the same team of people all just happened to end up in this like, oh, it's it's everybody that you disagreed with in college. And they're also <laughs> the people that are going to be against you in this court case. So it. I mean, yeah, I need to look it up to see if it was if they did it for like for just for drama of the movie or if it like legitimately ended up that like all these people ended up working together.
0: It wouldn't be the first time that a movie or even a book has like combined a few historical people into one person to simplify a narrative.
2: Sure.
1: Uh, sure.
0: Yeah, you're right. I didn't look that up either. But yeah, uh, it was a close knit group of people that kept bouncing off of each other throughout that. Fifteen-year period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even I mean, even like the fact that Dorothy Kenyon had pull over Mel Wolf, like because she was a board member of the ACLU. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, I, there are a lot of connections there. Yeah. All right. Uh, my most peculiar moment—it's going to be a a movie production moment. Okay. Uh, when she gets to Denver, right? They don't show her landing at the Denver airport. Or anything like. She doesn't drive past a welcome to Denver sign. She gets out of the taxi cab, and there is just a picturesque mountain range of snow-capped mountains at the end of the street. (laughs) (laughs) Like I, I, I I don't know technically how they did it, but it felt like a street with a green screen at the end, and somebody (laughs) just slapped some Rocky Mountains in the background. (laughs) <laughs> just it was a little on the nose I, yeah i wrote yeah, down yeah, yeah. subtle subtle mountains in denver <laughs>
1: <laughs> Oh, so yeah, that's going I, down. My pick, now that you're talking about it i can i can picture that scene when she's driving riding in the taxi yeah yeah
0: <laughs> all right darren now that we've said our most peculiar moments it's time for quick picks it's time for us to the nitpicks of the movie to pick out those last little details, all the list last little things we got to get in there. What do you got for me this month in quick picks?
1: Uh, my first one was uh, in the early on when she's at college and uh, Sam Waterston who plays Erwin Griswold is giving like this, his initial s- speech and I don't know if like, I'll I'll feel bad if he has like something like in real life going on with his, you know, he's an older guy, um, but he's, he's giving this speech and he's talking in his regular voice. And he's like, the line is like, together we'll become lawyers. Like they're going to work together. But he's like, together we'll become lawyers. (laughs) I don't know if, if, if it was, if they missed it or. Or again, like maybe he has like a you know a weird voice thing because he's maybe maybe he's, you know a health thing that's going on, but his voice got very deep when he said the word lawyers. it <laughs> was like word. it's it sounded like a bad dubbing of a movie, like it's you know, like it sounded like a movie that was translated from another language that was just like done real poorly because like lawyers <laughs> it sounded <laughs> I- it's how did like Kristen Bale in Batman was saying
0: it? <laughs> Ooh, could a young Sam Watterson have played a Bruce Wayne? Ooh. Uh, I mean, he would have been, he would have been Harvey Dent. Let's be honest. Come on. yeah. I yeah, yeah, was yeah, destined yeah. to be a lawyer his whole life. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. I missed that one. I, I'm gonna be honest. So a bad line <laughs> right. reading there. All right. Um I've brought this up before. I, I gotta start with this. I I brought it up many times on our old show. Microphones don't screech just because you touch them. Hollywood, <laughs> Hollywood needs to stop doing this. They squeal if they get too close to the speaker that they're outputting from. That's how you get feedback. They will not. I
1: promise you.
0: I even promise the really
1: old, Davey. Even the really old ones. Even the really old <laughs> ones.
0: All the way back to the nineteen seventies, which I mean, that kind of weren't that old. Um, yeah. Yeah, I every movie does it. <laughs> I saw it coming too because she's like in slow motion. She's reaching to adjust that microphone. And I was like, they're going to do the squeal thing. They're going to do the freaking
1: squeal <laughs> thing. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> a lesson in acoustics from David <laughs> Um, The next one I had that probably the first time and, and obviously this was not meant to be a a comedy there were fu- there were some funny parts of it but the the only thing in the movie that i think i laughed out loud at was her looking in the mirror practicing trying to smile after mel told her that she should smile she's like she's like we're doing trying to give her like opening line that she's gonna give in court and she's like trying to smile and she's forcing it so badly it was pretty funny it was good i like that yeah.
0: and she made the right choice No. Nah, yeah not smiling
1: yeah Maybe just a, maybe just like, you know, no teeth. Just kind of show your maybe the lips, maybe the lip scope a little bit. That's a-
0: <laughs> just at the corner of the lips. Just a little Yeah. Um, all right. Uh I'm gonna give some credit to the production. Uh I, I, a good directing choice here. Um the opening shots of the movie, like the just kind of her walking alone in this sea of men. I yeah. thought that was a really fun way to establish the patriarchy basically like to literally show she's swimming in this sea of men and in their world uh, and she's just you know working her way through it Um, and, and you know what, what starts is their world we all know it's not their world anymore Uh, but yeah so I just thought it was a really creative way with the opening credits and the opening music to kind of Establish like what the situation Ruth Bader Ginsburg is finding herself in,
1: in starting
0: in the 1950s here.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
1: totally. And, and then uh, to, uh, to piggyback on that, the, um the intentional like color contrasts, right? So they're all, every single man is in like some shade of gray or black suit. Mm-hmm. And she's in this very like stark blue outfit. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. What else you got uh, next, in quick picks?
1: Yeah. Next one I had was um. Mel, 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 like, I already talked about how I like I thought he was, I I had him as my best actor because of just because of like disliking him, but he was like, he was he's like the, antithesis like the not the antith the the exact example of like a fair weather fan throughout the whole movie right like he's like and it like it really hit me at the very end when they win and he comes like skipping out of the courtroom <laughs> he's like so excited and like and like it uh, talks about he's going to go gloat about their great win or whatever and i was like dude two minutes ago before this you were like there's a like because in the in the middle of the thing he's like to the, the client the client who's they're representing is like how do you think it's going? And he does this like big, like I don't know, crash and the burn, whistle, crash and burn. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he was just he was such a a fair weather fan. It was it was funny. Yeah.
0: All right, right on. Uh, yeah, clearly that character had an impact on you.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Um. All right. It, early on the movie, they're playing a game of charades. They're hanging out in the student lounge. Yeah. And uh, her husband is up there acting out the charades and I'm sorry, it took that group of kids way too long to get blue suede shoes <laughs> way too long. <laughs> I mean, first word blue and Elvis song. Come on. What else is it going to be?
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's that's true. I think,
0: and the poor guy isn't,
2: collapses
1: in it. There isn't another one.
0: Is there? <laughs> it could have been blue moon, but that's not an Elvis
1: song.
2: Yeah. 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 yeah
0: to his shoes. He was pointing at his shoes. <laughs> All right, Darren, I got a few more quick picks here to kind of wrap things up. Uh, number 1, could you sleep with a typewriter clicking? Uh... <laughs> cuz her husband falls asleep on the couch and she is just clattering away on that typewriter.
1: He did have testicular cancer. He might have been under the influence of several medicated drugs. <laughs> okay.
0: I will give him the benefit of the doubt there. I, I think someone typing in a typewriter might be the most awful sound to keep you up at night. <laughs> and then finally, I I don't remember high school, my high school English classes enough. Was Atticus Finch really a bad lawyer?
1: I have no idea. I thought I he was no, America's hero. I have no idea. <laughs> well, I, maybe one day
0: on the Peculiar Book Club we'll get to a kill a, to kill a mockingbird. Um, <laughs>
1: but until then, uh,
0: I guess this movie wasn't very kind to Atticus Finch.
1: Yeah, nobody's probably ever talked about To Kill a Mockingbird on a podcast before, so you guys should do that one. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, Darren. Uh, how about a little bit of trivia before we head out on this episode? Yeah. All right. So like we said, uh, the movie was written by Daniel Stiepelman, who is Ruth Bader Ginsburg's nephew. I guess the, uh, the, the studio and the powers to be wanted him to write the husband character as more of an antagonist. And he was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is my actual aunt and uncle. I'm not. I'm not making yeah. him seem like a villain. Yeah, so I thought I thought that was interesting. That is uh, interesting. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, director Mimi Leader, uh, did get Ruth Bader Ginsburg to appear at the end of the movie. Uh, apparently, it, they she did three takes, and she was like, "That's enough." <laughs> 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 Which I'm not shocked about because I have filmed, let's just say, people in positions of power before, and something about it they do they're like okay one take all right you got it we're good but but, uh, okay okay
1: it is what it is that's the power of editing
0: (laughs) um the other person who was up for the role of ruth bader ginsburg was natalie portman what do you think would you could you see natalie portman playing
1: this role
2: yeah Actually, I think I could.
1: I don't know if I'm being biased in my head because I know she's Jewish. But... <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I think I could I think I could see it. But I mean it's so hard because like Felicity Jones did such a good job. I don't know if Natalie Portman would have
0: been as intimidating in the courtroom as <laughs> Felicity like too- Jones is at the end.
1: Yeah. She's like too adorable or like too cute.
0: Yeah. And you know, the only thing in my mind is Natalie Portman in as Princess Amadala in Star Wars. And she does get to, she does get to stand up as a senator and speak in front of the Senate in that movie. Yeah. And I, I think Felicity Jones just hits a little harder.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's one of those things where you're like, the the person they picked did so good that you're like, it's hard to imagine somebody else doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, she's British. I didn't know she's British.
0: Who, Felicity Jones? Yeah, I didn't know that. Ooh, she was hiding her accent the whole time. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, bringing up Natalie Portman and the Jewish thing, it does make me think. On our old show, we used to do a segment where we'd, where we'd pitch a sequel to the movie or a prequel <laughs> or a cycle. I, if if I had to pitch a prequel, I just I just want I want like a like a short mini series about Ruth Bader Ginsburg's time at that Adirondack at upstate New York um, Jewish <laughs> camp with Mel. I want Mel Wolf and uh, with a mustache, with a young mustache. Yeah. <laughs> trying to grow a mustache for the first time. And uh, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg palling around at this Jewish camp. We've, we've <laughs> see, seen it. If you're a fan of the TV show, uh, "The Marvelous Miss Maisel," they did a whole like series of episodes up at one of the yeah,
2: yeah, camps, yeah.
1: and I just think it would be absolutely delightful to see. So you want like Wet Hot American Summer at the Catskills? <laughs> yes, yes.
0: <laughs> uh, all right, I think that wraps us up on this episode. So. Uh, a really, really fascinating movie. I hope me and Darren did justice to the cause, did justice to the fight. Uh, being unfortunately two male podcasters discussing on, discussing on the basis of sex, um, but maybe that's how we trick them, Darren. Maybe that's how we get them. They hear they hear us talking about it. Yeah, and they realize that they got to come around on these things. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's time to uh, it's time to be done with tradition. It's time to uh, knock down those institutions. I, yeah, I, I don't think we're going to change the world in this podcast, but I think we had a good <laughs> Not conversation. Not with that attitude, you won't. <laughs> but I think we had a good conversation about the movie on the basis of sex. Yes. Alright, coming up next month, uh, we have got an interesting book about an immigrant story. Uh, we are going to be reading on the Peculiar Book Club the book The Evening Hero by Marie myung Oak Lee, a sweeping lyrical novel following a Korean immigrant pursuing the American dream who must confront the secrets of the past or risk watching the world he's worked so hard to build come crumbling down. And in honor of that book, we found another recent movie, a 2020 movie, that literally is about a Korean immigrant story. Uh, And the movie is called Minari. Uh, Minari starring, I was uh, it was directed and written by Lee Isaac Chung. It stars Steven Yoon, uh, Yuri Han, and Alan Kim. Uh, it is not available to stream anywhere unless you have like Fubo TV, so uh, but it's available to rent at all your normal places your, your, your Apple, your Amazon's, all everywhere you'd go online right now to rent a movie. Uh, it's available to rent so yeah so join us as we look at these two korean immigrant stories and look at the themes see the parallels and see where these two stories uh might intersect so uh minari is the movie coming up next month all right that does it here Thank you for joining us for the Peculiar Movie Club. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on whatever podcasting app you are listening on. Whether you're leaving a review for the Peculiar Movie Club or whether you're leaving a rating or review for the big show, the Peculiar Book Club, it helps us out. It helps people find the show. It helps the algorithms. So please help us out that way in supporting the show. We will be back with more Peculiar Books on the main show, and we'll expand those themes in the movie world every month right here on The Peculiar Movie Club.